uh, my daughter was young, Maya, I'll just give her her name, and, uh, and she did not like going to Sunday school class. And uh, so sure enough, we tried to get her to go to Sunday school class, she would cry, she would scream, and, and uh, we could never get her in. Well, one day I did announcements while Dee was preaching. And so I went up to do announcements, and I took my notes, and I put it on top of his notes, and I did the announcements, and then I picked it up, and then I walked to the back, and I had his notes in my hand, and my wife says, your daughter is trying to go to Sunday school, and she cannot do it. I'm done with her. You take her. So I said, okay. So I said, okay, we're going to go to Sunday school class. That's just the way it is. I walk over there with these notes, my notes, and I give the lecture and say, honey, if you don't go to class, I'm going to have to take you home and give you a spanking. So I walked her in there to go to class, and she said, so I pulled her out. I go, one more try. I walked her in there. So I said, okay. We get in the car to take my daughter home to go to spanking with Pastor D's notes. <laughs> Driving down the road, and I get this phone call, and D's like, fine, Mike, because <laughs> I took his notes off campus. I tell you, it's a miracle I have a job here, just because <laughs> you look at his face. So there's the notes if you guys want to take it. It's good to see everybody. I'm glad you guys um, are here. It's good to be back. I tell you that the Africa trip was amazing. I'll talk more about it. Uh, probably next week when I um, do my sermon and those things. But um, if you ever want to go to Africa, you're always invited. Lots of amazing things are taking place over there. God is really working. I think the most coolest part about the trip is that everything that we teach and everything that they have is because we gave it to them. Jefferson Baptist Church gave it to them. They don't have resources over there. They don't have you know, they don't have the, the radio that brings halfway decent teaching, you know, in the sense of biblical teaching. They have Benny Hinn, but not biblical teaching um, in those things. So it's, it's everything that, when we open up the Word before them, um, it's all new information to them. So it's a very good um, class, very productive, and uh, it's a, a blessing to go over there. So anybody who wants to go, next year we go in November. So you guys are always um, invited. All right, moving on with our tough topics. So if you're new to this class, we're picking all the tough topics that nobody talks about, and we're talking about them. <laughs> so so uh, we're on sexuality right now, and, um, and it, is, it, it can kind of get rated R sometimes, just to let you guys know. Um, uh, last week was even kind of, or a couple weeks ago was even kind of rougher, but it's not going to be you know, too rough um, this week. Um, but it is going to consistently go to, we just got to talk about some things. The church is being entirely swept away by a culture that is completely obsessed with sexuality. And uh, there's a reason why it's obsessed with sexuality. Um, Because it is a gift from God. And with the gift from God and sin mixed in it, we have ruined it. Um, And we are ruining it. And the church needs to open up the word and proclaim what the Bible says specifically about sex and about um, sexuality. Uh, what does the Bible say about it? Is it good? Is it not good? Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Um, how do we teach our children about it? Should we teach our children about it? Should we even talk about it? Should we even talk about it in this arena? All these questions come out when you start talking about this word sex, the one thing that no pastor should ever mention from the pulpit. And, uh, and I will say that um, you know I can teach some pretty crazy heresy up here and I don't get much controversy. I'm just kidding. I try not to. But if I say the word sex, some people are in my office. You said the word sex from the pulpit? I'm like, yeah, I said the word sex. Okay, I won't say that anymore. It's, it's a pretty large reaction um, in the Christian culture about that word. So 
what we need to do is we need to understand what the Bible says about it. And we also need to understand how to combat it. We also need to understand the gift behind it. So today is a, the foundation uh, that's going to kind of set us into um, uh, more talks about it the next four weeks. Because we will talk about it un, until the end of the year. And then after the end of the year, we're going to continue the tough topics in January. And then we'll move into homosexuality again with our culture and those things. And then continue to focus on other tough topics that um, the Bible speaks of, but often the church um, does, not, does not mention. So, sexuality, God's plan for exclusivity. Um, the importance of exclusivity. Let's talk about it. Number one, God, uh, sex is God's way of saying, I belong completely and exclusively to you. God has given us something, and it is sex. It says, I belong completely and exclusively to you. There's many relationships out there. Um, I have a brother. We have a brother-to-brother relationship. There's a parent-to-children relationships. Um, there's business relationships. You know, when I go shopping, you know, I'll show up at uh, Walmart, and you have the Walmart greeter that says, hello, it's so good to see you. And it's like, good to see you too. And then I go through um, Walmart, and I buy things, and they come to the checkout, and that person's all nice, excited about me being there, purchasing their goods. Um, and what do we have? We have a business relationship as we're walking into the store. But how deep is that relationship? How in-depth is that relationship? The in-depthness of that relationship consists on the prices that I receive at Walmart. Because quite frankly, if I get a better price at Safeway, my relationship with anybody at the door is over because I go down the street to have another relationship. That relationship is not deep whatsoever. There is a dynamic in that relationship that as long as you give me what I want, I'll be friendly to you. I'm just talking about business. But if you don't give me what I want, then I'm going to go purchase something else, and I don't even care if they're friendly at the door as long as the price is, is better. So that's a very shallow relationship. Brother-to-brother relationship is deeper. Parent relationship is deeper. Do you see all these levels of relationships that are out there, but there's one relationship that is going to carry this sexual relationship that is going to go beyond all relationships. It's going to go beyond all relationships. And the way that it goes beyond all relationships is you are walking into an extremely exclusive relationship beyond all others. In other words, if I'm having a sexual relationship with my wife, that is an exclusive relationship that is more powerful, more strong, more dynamic, more everything to it. And we're going to go on to what it brings. More everything to it than any other relationship. Parent-child relationship, any other relationship in the entire world. Now, we know it's exclusive. Because how many Hollywood movies do you see that go through relationship after relationship after relationship throughout the movie, but when it's all said and done, what's the end? Ah, oh, he's got two wives. No, <laughs> He's got two girlfriends. He's finally made it. No, there's never two girlfriends. No, he's always, or she's always at the end with that one exclusive. No matter what the dynamics are through the movie, it's always promoting, and it's a corrupt world. It's a sinful world. But there's always promoting exclusivity. Always. Whenever it comes to sexual relationship. Because if exclusivity is broken, it's not rich. 
It's not strong. And I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the world, Hollywood, the movies that we watch. Whenever there's a dynamics in the movie, it's the richest when one person is connected to one person. Where do we get that concept? (laughs) We get that concept from the Word of God. We get that concept that the exclusive exclusivity in a relationship is the richest piece that you could possibly imagine or have. So I went to Africa, and as I went to Africa, I was teaching um, pastors and also church leaders. And I do want to say that it's not necessarily all our pastors. We're building a school, and as we're building the school, we taught our pastors for two years, and then we teach church leaders and dynamics of our pastors, and then other people know that our school exists, so other pastors come into our school. So here I am talking about pastoral counseling, and of course, sexual relationships are always deep on pastoral counseling, and uh, we got into it, and we talked a little bit about it. Um, I had a question that was asked me, and the question asked was, do you um, believe that um, divorce is not good? And I said, yeah, divorce is divorce is, is not good. Do you believe that God does not want divorce to happen? I said, yeah, I believe that God does not want divorce uh, to happen. And um, he says, okay, well, how would you counsel this person? Um, say I have my wife, and um, I've decided to take another wife, and she doesn't like it, and she wants to divorce me. And my wife comes to you and asks for counseling. How would you counsel that person? And I listen, and I'm like, well, okay, let me repeat myself. Let me make sure that I know I'm tracking with you. And, um, and so I repeated it. I said, oh, so you have one wife, and you want another wife, and your wife is not okay with it, and she's coming to me for counsel, and you're wondering what my answer would be. And you set me up to say divorce is not good. He says, yeah, what's your answer? I said, if I was counseling your wife, I would tell her to get so far away from you, divorce you, and leave you, and never even look at you again. And he's like, but you said God likes divorce, or hates divorce. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I'm sorry, I got into it with him a little bit. Because <laughs> I, I had to, I'm like, wait a second. You're taking scripture and you're using scripture to, for the purpose of gratifying exactly what you want? Well, see, what happens is in the sexual relationship, two relationships can't take place. There is no way she can survive in a relationship if she's your wife and you have another wife. Why? Because the relationship is so severed. Everything internally in all of us are so broken, are so shattered, that you cannot connect and you cannot be whole. If I counseled her to stay married to you while you took another wife, I would spiritually, physically, emotionally destroy her, ruin her, annihilate everything that's inside of her. Why? Because a sexual relationship is nothing but exclusivity. One person, one man, one female. That's the way the relationship works. Genesis 2, 24. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. What's taking place in this verse? There's two that are coming together under one flesh, but there's a whole sentence that says before the two come together, you must leave your father and your mother. 
there has to be almost even a severing in that relationship. There has to be a severing in that relationship to start your new one that is going to carry more power than any relationship. Because once you move into this sexual relationship with your mate, it's going to carry a richness that's beyond all other. And we're definitely going to get into the dynamics of that richness. But it's going to carry a richness than all other. There's been some research done about child abuse. And when we think about child abuse, we think about um, parents that are just messed up, um, parents that are messed up on drugs, parents that are messed up on poverty, parents that are, are completely and entirely messed up. But there's been some research that has been done on some of the people that are child abusing. A lot of the people that are child abusing are people that love their kids too much, <laughs> believe it or not. People that love their children too much are abusing their children. The dynamics of this research has come from here a husband and a wife love each other, are connected with each other. But one of the mates, let's just say the mom, loves their child even more so than the mate. And when she just starts to gravitate towards that child and starts to reject the mate and continue to even have a sexual relationship with her mate, but yet is completely and entirely focused on the mate or on the child, What happens in that dynamic is that she starts to expect, it's not sexual, but she starts to expect what she's not getting from her sexual lover. She's starting to expect the respect, the honor, her value is starting to be engrossed into her children, and she feels valuable if the relationship's alive or unvalued if the relationship's not alive with the child rather than her sexual partner. And the child never meets up. And I'm not talking about sex here in, in, in this relationship. I'm talking about emotional. And the child does not meet up. And when the child doesn't meet up, what happens? She starts abusing the child. She starts physically. Anger, aggression, hate, frustration starts coming out on a child. See, what happens is the dynamics of sex is not just a physical act where you just do a physical act. The dynamics of sex is it a physical, an emotional, is a spiritual act of connection beyond every single other relationship that, that fills you more than any other relationship that's out there. Ephesians 5.31, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. A lot of people that come in my office and talk about in-law issues. Um, I had somebody come in my office about six months ago, and they said, I know nobody else has this problem, probably. You know, we come to a church where everybody is perfect, and, and nobody has this problem, but my in-laws, it's just, it's killing me, and I don't know how we're going to survive. We're starting to break. We're starting to split. And um, I looked at him, and I laughed at him. I said, <laughs> Uh, yeah, somebody in here last week that had the same issue. And every time you go to church and you look in the foyer, yeah, two, 50% of the people have the same in-law problems that you do. Just get over it. We all have this, this, this problem. I'm, I'm not trying to put down in-laws, but there is this dynamic piece of the problem where you are separating and you're becoming one with another that is so rich and in-laws are struggling through losing their children. There's a dynamic that takes place there. Um, So as this dynamic takes place, how do I counsel them? The counsel is the person that you have a sexual relationship. It trumps all other relationships. And you want to build that. You want to protect that. And you want to take that as your family unit, as one whole family unit, 
Because that relationship that you're having with that person is deeper than you can possibly imagine in every single dynamic, emotionally, spiritually, and, and everything, and everything else. So, out of point one, you should get the exclusivity in sex is going to carry an extremely important and ex- carry extreme amount of power. Number two, uh, sex is a powerful statement that two have come together emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, financially, physically, and in every other way. Flesh does not always mean body when it talks about in Scripture. You remember the passage? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Does that mean that God is going to take his spirit and pour it out on all bodies? Or does it mean he's going to pour it out on all people? So in the context of flesh, talking about this one flesh relationship, we've got to look at it. Flesh is an entire person. You become one flesh, meaning two people be in an entire unit. The only way two people can be an entire unit is when you give yourself completely and wholly to them, which would be coming together emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, financially, physically, and in every other way. See, what happens when you get married, yes, you're celebrating it with a sexual relationship, but that's just the part of the relationship. When you're celebrating with a sexual relationship, there's other things that have to come behind. The things that have to come behind is emotional nakedness exposure has to come behind. Spiritual nakedness exposure. Intellectual nakedness and exposure. Financial, okay, we got to put it all on the table. Exposure have to come on. Physical, everything comes together as one whole unit that two people entirely now connect. And the celebration of that is a physical act of sex. Mark 10, 8 says, And the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but now they are one. Not only physically, we're not talking about becoming one physical body, we're talking about being one physical person. My mind, my heart, my will, my desires are now given to my wife. Why? Because I'm now having a sexual relationship, uh, relationship with her. Christians have the most incredible view on sex. You talk about sex, you talk about the world and the culture and all the movies, Hollywood, everything's talking about sex, 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 sex. The church is not talking about sex. In fact, you almost hear it everywhere except the pulpit, but the Christian has the most dynamic, incredible view on it, and the way it has the most dynamic, incredible view on it is sex is giving your body, your soul, and your life all together as one unit for extreme joy extreme strength, extreme beauty, extreme harmony for what God created and intended it to be. Soul and body are never meant to be apart. That's why the Bible always talks about this word, resurrection. You know, yeah, I'll put your body in the grave and you'll be called dead. But there will be one day that your body will raise and you emotionally, you spiritually, everything will come together and then you will be alive. If your body and soul are split, you're dead. Let me think about this. What if I committed an adultery? What did I just do? I just stepped out of my body and my soul's wife are connected like this for the last 22 years. And if I step out, what's going to take place? My body and my soul literally rip, shred the pain, the hurt. I mean, everybody comes in 
my office is, I'm going through this divorce. It's not like, okay, I'm going through this divorce. You mind get me through this a little bit? No, it's like this devastation of ripping that takes place. And the reason why is because the soul and body are not meant to be apart. And when they are apart, they're dead. They're dead. They hurt. I'm not saying it can get put back together again because it can get put back together again. But that ripping is deep. That ripping is hard. And that ripping is difficult. So what do we see in this? We consistently see God's plan, making sure that when you get married, stay that soul and body together as one. Number three, a whole body commitment is designed to go along with a whole life commitment. God's plan is that this whole body, the whole soul and commitment lasts for a lifetime, and he does it for what? He does it for our good. He does it for our pleasure. He does it for our happiness. He does it because he knows what's best for us, and he knows what we want even when we don't think we know what we want. He goes, I want to make this person, my people, extremely happy, extreme amount of joy, extremely full. I want there to be peace in them. I want there to be rest in them. I want there to be strength in them. I want there to be courage in them. What I want to do is I want to plan and design this one body-soul commitment called marriage that will stay together for the rest of their life. Is that what the culture is selling? <laughs> the, culture doesn't, the culture doesn't sell that. The culture is selling something completely and entirely different. Why would the culture sell something completely and entirely different? The reason why is because there's an enemy that wants to destroy us. And he just hangs on the surface. Sex is just physical. It's not emotional. There's nothing that goes along with it except an experience that brings, that brings pleasure. Sex is not an experience that brings pleasure. Sex is a whole unit of growth in a person and in a dynamic of a relationship that is designed to last forever for the purpose of making us happy, full, and, joy, and have an extreme amount of joy. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave herself up for her. What did he do? He handed his whole life over. What? His emotion. Jesus was what? He was exposed, hung naked on the cross. You knew Jesus' heart. You knew where he stood spiritually. You knew all about Jesus through the death and the life that he lived. You knew where he hurt. You saw his tears. You look at the word and you know about him. And what are you supposed to do? Connect with him. Why? Because he gave himself to, um, to him. So just a really fast challenge is that we can be in a marriage relationship and we can hold things back and still have a physical relationship. And think about how much that hurts as well. That even brings a death into dynamic. I will sleep with you. You're my wife, but I'm not going to give you my emotions. I'm not going to give you my heart. I'm not going to share, you, share with you some of the sins that I struggle with. You see, if you even want a better physical relationship, move in with the emotional, move in with the physical, move in with the intellectual and the, um, and the, um, the spiritual as well. Moving along. I better hurry. Number four, uh, sexual love is dehumanizing if it is not in an exclusive relationship. God wants his people alive. God wants his people excited. God wants his people happy. God wants his people to be an example to the world of how we find life. And the exclusivity is the greatest jewel that you can possibly ever have. 
That's why when we give a ring, we hand it over and says, well, the ring is something that goes around for eternity, and we are going to be connected. And you make those commitments of marriage, we will be connected for the rest, the rest of our life. And when you do that, I will tell you that the most erotic thing in a relationship that you have is you have, nobody knows my wife like me. Nobody knows me like my wife. I have not exposed myself to anybody like I've exposed myself to my wife. In fact, it's the ultimate thing that you, even, that you want to protect. Because as you are protecting it, it's the greatest jewel in our marriage. It's the thing that brings us the most joy, brings us the most strength, brings us the most satisfying piece of it. And so looking at the most erotic thing you could possibly have, it's not moving from one person to another person to another person. Or it's not like the Hollywood scenes of, I'm going to have many girlfriends and I'm going to sleep with many ladies what you're doing is that that's ruining yourself. The jewel of everything is the exclusivity with one person and uh, with one person and um, uh, with one person being two bodies with being a couple. I would put it that way. Number five, it's a horrible thing to be physically vulnerable and not be personally, socially, economically, spiritually, uh, economically, emotionally, and spiritually vulnerable. Why is it a horrible thing? Because when you do that, you divide the soul and spirit. And the soul and spirit is never designed to split. And when sin took place, what happened? The, the body went to the ground and the soul went to heaven. And what you call that is you call that death. But in the process of death, there's going to be a resurrection to, someday when we will be connected again. But we can see the dynamics of the pain of it in regards to our sexual relationships. You do not divide soul and body. You can have to be connected emotionally if you're connected physically. 1 Corinthians 6.16 Do you not know that who, he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said that two will become one flesh. It's almost, how, how could you do that? <laughs> how could you sleep around from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person? How could you come into those dynamics? You're being one flesh physically, but you're not one flesh whole and what that does is that makes you not a whole person. It makes you not satisfied. It makes you not complete. It makes you not feel the joy that everyone is looking for. Number six, to say I will give you my body but not my independence, money, heart, or life is a cruel, selfish, inconsiderate statement. It's almost sense that um, you would exist and turn sex almost into sport, something that brings gratification um, something that brings um, satisfaction, something that brings desire. All those things come out under the topic of sex, but that is not what God created it for. He created it for something so much more. Not a business relationship, not a, a son-daughter relationship, not, a, not a, um, a mother-daughter relationship. He created it for an exclusive relationship that carries extreme amount of richness beyond all other relationships. All right, so the importance of exclusivity. Now let's talk a little bit about the power of exclusivity. The power of just one person, um, one man, one woman that is together. Number seven, God's plan for sex is that you give yourself away so personally, so deeply, that the result is a personal transformation. God wants us to be completely and entirely transformed. He does. 
He wants us to go into his word, open up the word, and be transformed by his word, transformed by his love, transformed by who he is. And as we are doing that, he also gives us another little golden jewel that we can watch and that we can observe. And you know what that is for? Because he's always comparing it, a husband and wife. And in that husband and wife, that sexual relationship is there even for the purpose of being transformed as a person, as a whole. What do I mean by that? Number one thing I mean is that sex changes absolutely everything. If you are dating, say you're 17, 18, uh, 19, 20, 22, you've been dating for five years, and you've never had sex, but been dating for five years, now you date six years, uh, you're not married, but then you have sex, well, it just changed everything that those five years took place. There's a time before sex, and there's a time after sex. You see, it just carries that power that when you enter it, it is you are molding yourself into a transformation relationship where all dynamics change once that relationship, once that relationship happens. Sex changes everything even about you. It changes every dynamic of who you are. You go into the doctor. The doctor says, are you in a sexual relationship? Yeah, I'm in a sexual relationship with my wife. You, there's questions that are asked. Why? Because it, it comes so deep. Uh, heart, soul, body, emotional, and mind in regards to sexual relationship. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands and wives are the only ones that are supposed to carry the sexual relationship. But then God gives an example, as the verse continues to go, of what that love does, that Christ's love did for the church, and what it should be doing also to the mates. Why? To make her holy cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain a wrinkle or blemish a wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless love your wives and when you do like christ loves the church you what make her holy cleansing her washing her with water through the word and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless in this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife does what? Loves himself. Does it make you happy to give yourself away? According to this passage, it does. After all, no one else hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his own body. So what do we mean this sanctification? What do you mean this, this, this holiness? What do you mean that we are, are going to grow? Let's just continue to go through 8 and 9, and we'll see what it means. Um, letter 8. Everyone needs a word from outside ourselves to tell us we are wonderful. And sex has the power to make that statement to the extreme. Sorry, I didn't put down the statement to the extreme, but put down the statement to the extreme. Sex does something more than just a, a physical act. Um, the things that I need emotionally as a man, and I'll just speak specifically of me, not specifically of my wife, things I need emotionally as a man is that, um, that I'm okay, um, that, I'm, that I'm loved, that I am respected, that everything in my house is okay, that everything is taken care of. I need to know that my relationship is whole. I need to know that I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a sinful person, but I need to know that I'm all right. Um, there's something about a sexual relationship that when you have a sexual relationship that it's like everything is good. My relationship's whole. I'm respected as a person. I'm honored as a person. It makes a large statement, not physically to me, 
but it makes a large statement emotionally to me. And as a sense of doing it, it draws me even more so to my wife. It speaks not just to my body. In fact, it speaks way more to my heart than even come close to my body. Sex is not a physical act. Sex is a deep emotional act that gives you what you need as a sinful person. Needing to know if I'm okay. Needing to know I'm honored. Needing to know I'm respected. Needing to know I'm all right. Needing to know all the things I need to know. This is what sex brings. Um, You've heard it. We said this before, but it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you are the wealthiest person in the world. Because wealthy people are committing suicide. Wealthy people are depressed. Wealthy people are miserable. Why could a wealthy person be miserable? Why could somebody have absolutely everything be a most tormented, destroyed person? The reason why is because they don't have that one person, exclusive relationship, that says, you expose your body to me, I'll expose my body to you, and when we expose it, we will only expose our body, we'll expose our hearts, we'll expose our minds, we'll expose ourselves, we will expose our emotions, and we will be so connected. That relationship trumps all other things that are out there in this world. Relationships, if you're rich and you're going through a divorce, doesn't matter how rich you are. Doesn't make a difference what you have. Doesn't make a difference what car you have drive. It doesn't make a difference what you what you possess. It doesn't make a difference how much power you have. It doesn't make a difference if you own the whole world. If your relationship's a mess, everything's a mess. Everything you have has no value. See, the reason why it's designed that way is because the sexual relationship is designed that your wife or your husband give you so much more than just a physical act. It gives you a whole act emotionally as well. Everyone needs a word from outside of ourselves to tell us how wonderful we are. Christ gives that to us. And he's also given us mates to give it to us as well. John 15, 12. My commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Number nine. Sex improperly used will undermine your sanctification. But sex used properly will bring sanctification. So let's ask a question. What's this word sanctification mean? Sanctification means um, made, made holy, um, and holy means set apart. The act of setting apart for a sacred purpose is what this word um, sanctification, sanctification would mean. In other words, there's a deep connection that's going to make something happen to you in regards to a sexual relationship. Um, let's look at 1 Thessalonians, and then we'll move down to explain this further. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. God's making a statement. I want you sanctified. I want you holy. I want you set apart. Now, if he's going to make those statements, I want you holy. I want you set apart. I want you clean. I want you pure. What's the next statement he's going to make? This is what he says. That you avoid sexual immorality. He just went right directly to sexual immorality. Why did he go to sexual immorality? Because sex is so attached to our sanctification. Why? Because the person I have sex with is a person that is connected more to my heart than anybody else. A person that has more influence on me than anybody else. A person that has more connection with me than anybody else. Continue verse. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not passive passionate lusts like the heathen who do not know God. 
what do you mean my wife? I'm just going to use my example. My wife has that much power. Because I ask the question, how much power does my wife have? Let me explain it. Number A, if the world doesn't think you're beautiful, your lover has the power to tell you that they're wrong. If the whole world looked at me and said I was a piece of garbage, there is one person that is in this room to have the power to prove everybody else wrong. And do you know who that person would be? The one person that I have a sexual relationship with. It would be my wife. She can walk into the room and say, I just want you to know that you are absolutely amazing and I don't even care what the whole world says. And do you know what it does to my mind? She's connected so much emotionally with me that I don't even care what you guys think anymore. You see how that works? That when there's a wholeness of the sexual relationship, somebody comes with a power that even trumps the entire world because she knows me, every part of me. What's interesting about this is that I look at my wife and the whole world would say, well, she's not beautiful. But if I use the words, you are absolutely beautiful, you're absolutely gorgeous, you're absolutely amazing, I could take her over the entire world. Even if the whole world didn't believe she was beautiful, I could take her over the entire world. Why? Because of my sexual relationships I have with her. And my opinion is more even so than the world. My opinion is more honest than the entire world just because I have that specific relationship. Now on the Trump side, the bad side, it says it has, it can give sanctification, but also can undermine sanctification. How many ladies in this world are hearing from their husbands, you know, you, you need to lose weight. You know, you're not as beautiful as you, as, as you should be. Do you see what happens that you have gained in, close, in the closeness of relationship and you have this power, you have this control, you have this authority? It's like, ooh, we got to watch out because nobody else has given us this authority. The power that your wife has or the power that your husband has has the power to ruin you. That's what vulnerability is. When you give yourself away, you're making yourself vulnerable. And if you make yourself vulnerable, they have the power to single-handedly ruin you. They also have the power to single-handedly make you as well. Men don't expose their hearts very often. In fact, wives, you come, how come my husband does not talk to me? How does my husband does not, you know, express himself to me? How come I feel married to him and he still feels sheltered off? What's going on with a husband that feels that is a husband is scared to give himself away totally because he understands how much power his wife has, how much power his mate has. See, a sexual relationship comes so, so strong that we have to be very, very careful inside the relationship because it has the power to sanctify you but also has the power to ruin you. And what your mate thinks is extremely, extremely important. Letter B, if you have been hurt in the past, your lover has the power to heal you. Think about the absent fathers in children's lives. Think about the absent mothers in children's lives. Think about the pain that that causes as they grow up. And then they walk into a relationship. When they walk into a relationship, there is one person. One person that can rescue them. And what is that person? The person that takes exclusivity in mind and says, I'm going to use the power of exclusivity and I'm going to pour out my love to you for the purpose of sanctifying you, cleansing you, and making you holy over your past. I have the power to do that. And when they walk into that relationship, the husband and the wife have that power. 
Unfortunately, we see in our world that when they have absent fathers and they have absent mothers and their parents are strung out on drugs and they get 17, 18 years old, what are they doing? They're giving themselves away. And they never find sanctification. They find more scars, more pain, more struggles, and then they walk into a relationship and there's, there's so much baggage that takes place. You see how God's plan works under exclusivity and nothing else? You see how our children and our generations are being swept away because we have stepped away from God's plan when God's plan is a gift beyond our imaginable ability? He can heal and complete an entire past if people are walking into a relationship that are together. Number C, if you have suffered neglect, your lover has sanctifying power to mend your suffering. And letter D, if you don't feel good about yourself, your lover has the sanctifying power to affirm you. And when I say lover, I mean there is nobody else that has that power. But let's just think of the world that we live in today. We live in a world today where sex is not emotional. Sex is a physical act, and it's the thing that Hollywood has sold us, that sex is just physical. You can walk in and out of relationships, and as you walk in and out of relationships, nothing's going to happen to you emotionally. Um, it's not that big of a deal. You see it on Hollywood, and they never show you the emotions that come inside. And as we're living in this, and as our children are growing up in this, they do not understand God's gift, God's method, and God's beauty behind a sexual relationship. And they definitely don't understand exclusivity, because exclusivity, one person, one man, one woman, is where it is at. It's exactly where it's at. We're losing the battle in regards to our sexuality in our world, and the reason why is because the selling point of enjoy it, many women, many men, one person, next person, if you're not satisfied, view pornography, open up yourself, expose yourself. There's no emotions attached to anything that takes place in regards to what your eyes see. Your heart will not be impacted. Your life will not be impacted. Go in and out, in and out. It's not a problem. And if you get married, you know, it'll it'll work. But if you get tired, you can move on. See what's taking place is we're losing the war. And we're losing the war because sex comes with something so much more beautiful. Never forget that God's um, design for sex is a beautiful design and a powerful design if we live in it in God's will. So that would be the challenge to do so. Um, Leroy, do you have a microphone for anybody who'd have questions? Sorry, again, a lot of information. Now, last time on this topic, nobody asks questions or nobody makes statements. I'm the only one that will make these statements. (laughs) You guys going to get yourself out early again? The challenge you should be obsessed with, exclusivity. If the past has messed up, you can be exclusive with somebody else. Emotionally, physically, it, it, can, it can happen, but make sure it is happening, that this is where you need to be. Um, expose yourself and take care of each other as we expose ourselves. The other thing that happens is that when we expose ourselves emotionally, sometimes it starts to come up in a fight. Um, when we start arguing, we start using our weight against that. We're supposed to take care of each other um, in that relationship 
to make it as most glorious, um, powerful relationship we could possibly make. Okay? All right, well, we'll close and be dismissed early.